Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from that win against the Chargers in L.A. And here to do it with me is my co-host from the Matchup Show, which comes out usually on Saturday, and that's Frazier Tafar. Frazier, how you doing? Doing good, Ken. Glad to be here on the offensive show, getting ready to get into this uh, very disappointing offensive performance the Ravens had on Sunday night. That's incredible. You know, you come out of a game and very high on the defense, but the offense did really let the defense down a number of times, didn't convert turnovers, left them pretty well playing a ton of snaps in that fourth quarter. And of course, with the Zay Flowers, non-Neal and whatnot, which we may talk about more, we may not, um, actually left them out there for some additional plays on the field. So kind of a frustrating uh, second half in particular for the uh, for the offense. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff left on the field, opportunities. Uh, we can talk about play calling. It's a lot of things that went into this Sunday loss. I mean, Sunday disappointment on offense. So we're at the bye. Good timing as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I think it's John Harwell likes the cliche, the bye always comes at the right time. I think this year we can say that as well. Um, the declaration not to have the buy after London as paying off. I can say we ripped off five out of six in that stretch. So this time off is going to be crucial, especially with four, is it four or five games left? Uh, five games still left. Five games against good contenders. Yeah. Um, none of the teams are slouches we're going against. So we're going to need this rest and do some self-scouting so we can be ready for this next playoff push coming up. Uh, I mean, one of the really nice things about this, now they've Ravens nursing all sorts of injuries in terms of Bowser maybe coming back or Marlon Humphrey, you know, as a player who hopefully will be ready when they get back from this bye. But the big one, the biggest one probably right now is Matt Abike. And he got concussed by um, Queen on a helmet-to-helmet hit after Queen missed a tackle. He jumped back to try and get back in the play. He knocked Matt Abike helmet-to-helmet and he went down. Queen was not yeah. impacted. Um a two-week chance to recover is much better than a one-week from a concussion. Yep. And so pretty good chance, I, I think, Matt BK plays, but uh, uh, it would be a lot more dicey if uh, he were kind of trying to come back on Sunday from the previous Sunday night. Yeah, I agree. Also, someone like Ronnie Stanley who needs the extra rest and extra cohesion to get things going. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope the week can actually help Ronnie. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about him a little bit later in the second half of the show. Excuse me, I got something in my throat here. 
Well, let's talk about the path to the number one or number two seed, as I like to put it. There's a, there's always, I think, a big difference between the number one seed, the number two seed, and then everybody else. The number one seed, of course, the big advantage is are that you play at home um, in in the divisional round and you play the lowest remaining seed. Mm-hmm. So it's a, just a, a huge advantage in the NFL to get that game. I mean, it's a it's as easy as path as you can get to the AFC championship obviously didn't work out for the Ravens in 2019. Right. It did in 2011 and it really didn't in 2006 also when they put <laughs> in that game. God. So they, they've had it three times, um, but this is another year where they should get it. They should, they should, uh, you know, we hope get a buy and, and uh, uh, that's going to probably mean they have to beat both the Jaguars and Miami to do that. Not a sure thing, but they, they might be able to do it even without beating, beating, um, both of those teams, but it's a little less likely. I think I might have an unpopular opinion on this, but since our buy was so late this year, I think when we had the buy in 2019, we were so hot, we kind of peaked a little too early, and then the buy cooled us off, and we came out flat against Titans. I think this year, with the buy being so late, I think we have the opportunity to potentially heat up going into the playoffs and I would maybe value that second seed because you get to play the wild card at home divisional at home and if the first seed gets knocked off you play that championship game at home so it's almost like you have home field advantage but you just don't have the buy so I almost feel like this team is going to benefit from a second seed rather than a first seed especially if they're humming on offense to end the season. Okay. I mean, that's, I, I think there are people who certainly believe that I, I I'll take the extra week off. Honestly, I'll take the other side of that argument. Um, get the Ravens at home for one week. Hopefully it's somebody left. Who's not all that good because the lowest remaining seed, it could be Buffalo. It could be um, Kansas city. I'm sorry, not Kansas city. Uh, it could be, uh, uh, could be Denver. Yeah, it could be Denver if Houston. they upset somebody. It could be Houston if they upset somebody. So you know, it's it's, uh, it's certainly multiple possibilities of uh, of who it could be. But uh, but you you get hopefully the four, five, or six seed still four, five. Uh, yeah, the four, five, or six seed is still left um, uh, at that point. And then you get the AFC Championship game at home, which is that is the prize that I've wanted my entire life. Me too. And uh, you know that'd just be a big deal in terms of how they get there. I think. The easiest path they have, the most likely path of of getting there is to win four out of five, including beating Jacksonville and beating Miami. um, Miami. Lose one game. It could be San Francisco, and it probably is most likely to be San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then you need only two things to happen. The Steelers have to lose one game, which there's a good chance that they will lose one to the Ravens, um, even if if the Ravens beat San Francisco. Um, but the the other possibility is that they can they uh, so the other thing they need is for the Browns to lose one game. Right. I think both of those things are likely. Uh, I know that 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 both the Browns and Steelers have some ease of schedule coming up here. That's that's going to make things a little bit uh, simpler for them. Yeah, I think the big thing about the Browns is they're not going to have DTR. They don't have Deshaun Watson, so it's going to be crucial that the. The Steelers don't get ahead because I think that's our closest yeah. competition in the North. Yeah, and they they do have a pretty easy schedule, and they are heating up at the right time. They are even offensively, they played pretty well. That that running game the last few weeks. So yeah, uh, Harris is heating up, including yeah. one and doing good all season. So it's and they had they broke four hundred yards for the first time in what thirty games. Yep, that was uh, uh, remarkable yeah. <laughs> that, that, that that happened. Um, Let's see. Let's go on. I want to talk a little bit about the Chargers game. We were out there in L.A. and and that sound system, I'll say, is absolutely blaring. It's a, just a miserable thing. And I, I have a I'm, I have a real sensitivity for sound that's grown with age mm-hmm. um, that, that I really don't like it, period. But I really don't like being around it and then trying to hear anybody near me because I just I can't distinguish those sounds very easily now. And so it's very frustrating. Um, so I can't talk to the person next to me when that thing is blaring. And then they turn the thing off a few seconds before the play. And and the house is, is pretty much quiet, even when the Ravens are on offense, because the, the fans don't make very much noise. Right. Uh, so it's, it was just, it's a, it's a sharp juxtaposition. And I, I heard that uh, the Vegas 
uh, sound system was the same as well, just very loud, obnoxiously loud. And I know that twenty twenty one game that we had in there, mm-hmm. that was I heard, you can hear that through the TV how loud it was. Yeah, yeah, very much so. We were at that game too. That was a uh, that was a miserable event. But this this time, SoFi is really a beautiful stadium. Yeah, uh, it is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You kind of have to Uber there. I, they've got other ways to get there, but that's a that's a primary way and. Um, and, uh, you, uh, have an open air facility at the top. And I didn't really realize this is what it was. It's not open air in terms of the dome being open as if rain would ever be a real big risk in LA. It's it's not, but, but they have a, a, um, breeze through area at the top of the stadium. So there's a possibility of wind and, and, and you have a, uh, um, you know, you still, appreciate the Southern California weather while you're out there. And even though it's a little cool at night there now, you still uh, have that. So really nice facility. It's just the, uh, and it's beautiful and, and very modern on the inside. Um, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a long way to go. And the crowd is, is the chargers are not their second or third or fourth love, even in that city. Everybody really wants yeah. to reach for the Rams and uh, uh, the chargers have kind of a, a limited fan base in terms of uh, LA. Yeah, it's been tough seeing how the Chargers fans have been just tossed around. It's gonna, I don't know. It's it's tough to see. I'm just glad we're secure here in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's nice. Um, all right, Mark Andrews uh, missing from the Ravens' offense. This has been one of the big things. Continued on. I, I, you know, there are a few things about what was going on. Um, the scripted plays for the Ravens. I think actually went quite well. And I'm, I'm looking at the gains as I look down the sheet here. The first drive wasn't all that great. The game, you know, five, seven, nine, three, three, zero, zero in terms of yep. yards. But in the second drive, you know, 18, four, 11, 14, 14, one, zero, 12. And they, and they ended up scoring on that drive. Uh, that was much more of what you would hope for mm-hmm. out of a, out of a scripted drive. Uh, you know, that included the, the, all of Beckham's catches were done by the way, by the end of that second drive. Yeah. And, um, they made a play to likely early on that second drive on a screen pass that really got the offense going. Um, for whatever reason, after the script is done, and particularly without Andrews, after the script is done, you really notice the loss of 89 a lot more, that there's not an extended play target for Lamar. Um, you know, if, if once he's you know building that extended play kind of on his own, um, uh, you, there, first of all, there weren't very many of them because the chargers got tons of pressure. We're going to get into that, but the, but they really, um, uh, they didn't have the extended play receiver. That was really Lamar's go-to guy he Threw one really nice pass to, to Keaton Mitchell in the second half, uh, after extending a play that ended up being about an 11 yard gain and a first down, but otherwise very little. Yeah, it was rough to see when the offensive needed offense needed to play. And like you said, when we got out of script mode, you just expect Andrews to come out of nowhere and just make a catch. But now it's impossible to see that kind of progression that quick. So it's, it was good to see Keaton Mitchell kind of slow play that a little bit, not be too eager to get into the play, let Lamar see him and make a self available. Uh, Aguilar had a couple, um, Bateman had some, so it's, it's nice to see some guys step up, but you can't replace 89. Yeah. The the yards per target for the receivers, they tell a pretty devastating story for the yeah. Ravens. Let me go through this really quickly because it's the kind of thing you would prefer not to have happen to your team. Flowers was targeted eight times for 25 yards. That's 3.1 yards per target. Likely six times for 40. Uh, by the way, likely had 40 yards and 44 yards after the catch in this game. Wow. So his average catch was a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Beckham, five targets, 34 yards, so 6.8 per play. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, two for 25, was one of the highlights. Bateman, five targets for 21. That's 4.2 yards per play. Step back for him after playing some uh, uh, you know, some good football. And, and by the way, I don't blame this on Flowers. I, I, don't, I, I, I think Beckham was about who we normally expect him to be. And um, and Bateman, obviously, not maybe not quite as as good as he had been, but there just wasn't a lot of time for routes to develop for Bateman to get to the top and use his great route running skills. He's got to be able to wiggle on that defender and be, get him to bite. And if everything's going underneath because it has to, because the pressure is getting there so quickly, it reduces a lot of Bateman's value getting that getting the route and making his move. Yeah, this game was a tough night for pass protection. I'm not sure 
what the solution is moving forward. Uh, obviously, Ricard is not the answer at all. I think he hasn't really made a difference in the sense of securing the pocket, especially on five-man rush or a blitz. Um, notably, the one pressure that Mac got, or it was actually a sack, where he chipped and then Morgus whiffed and then he got right there. It was just he didn't even need to be there on that play for any any reason. So I don't – the obvious, obvious answer – to our pass protection problem is our tackles have to get better. I think that's the straight up answer at that point. Um, because okay, we'll talk about that for a second. So you, it's the sack minus five near the end of the second quarter that you're talking about, uh, second to last drive of the second quarter that he had. So it was Ricard on the right side, and we have him for R42 not under on our score sheet, which means he chipped on the right side. Yep. And uh, he he did his part, I thought, and then. Moses moved the guy past the pocket 12 to six. Right. Lamar took well over three seconds. In fact, it was about three and a half seconds before Mac got back to Lamar to chase him down in the pocket. Might've been even 3.7. I did not charge that sack to Moses. And Moses, Moses missed his block. I didn't think he did enough to take, to take uh, Mac completely out of the play behind the pocket, but it was enough in theory, um, largely, I, I thought actually the initial bop was from Ricard to get him um, uh, slowed down on that play. We'll, we'll, we'll get to this, some of this in the scoring, but I know I saw that PFF had Moses allowing two sacks, and I didn't agree with that. I thought the, the first one was pretty much on Lamar for holding the football. Okay, maybe I read that wrong. I think I was just trying to relate that to ample time and space because it was – more so, we're trying to get these routes developed downfield, and if we don't have more than three seconds, it's not, it's yeah. not really possible. All right. Well, let's move on to some more general stuff. Uh, the Ravens outsnapped the Chargers 69-66 in this game, but that doesn't really tell the whole story to me. The first half, a um, pretty much a, you know, the Ravens had the ball a lot. The, the Chargers turned the ball over, uh, what, three times in the first half? I think, yeah. right? They had a, they had a fumble. Oh, Two fumbles and the pick from uh, Mallet at the end of the quarter, or the half. Yeah, they had the pick from Mallet. I'm trying to see where the where the fumbles occur. Oh, that's because I'm looking at the offensive sheets. That's why I'm not finding these fumbles. <laughs> where are the fumbles? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that looks good. But anyway, they they did a good job in terms of 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 getting the football. They still had that fourth quarter fumble and they collected from Clowney, but not until after a very long drive yeah. where they've been in the field and and they were on the field most of that second half. They were gassed. Yeah. Um, on, on at the end of that drive, amazing that Clowney got him off the field. And then after the Ravens got the ball back and they drove into field goal range, you know, first, first of all, great drive to put yep. that together at that point and, uh, and be able to move down and, and then miss the field goal after what they had about nine plays, eight, nine plays on that drive. They had a false start in there that doesn't count, but they had eight plays. It looks like then they missed the field goal. Um, after not going for it on fourth and one, by the way, how were you, how'd you feel about that? Uh, to be honest, the whole time I was thinking, going for it makes way more sense than kicking it right here. I think it just – the defense obviously was a little gassed, but the Chargers weren't doing anything on offense to scare you at that point in the game. So, to me, I would rather take my risk to end the game with the fourth uh, – to go for it at that point. Okay. So, I was totally in favor of going for it. There, there are a couple things about this. First of all, the defense has been on the field for so long, even with that eight-play break – I didn't feel like the Ravens had a really good chance to stop the Chargers. Yeah. But there was a worse thing. I was pretty much sure Tucker was going to make the kick, and obviously he didn't, so that we, we have that frustration. But um, when he when um, he was setting up, I'm saying, okay, it's it's a three-point lead right now. If you, if you go for it, not only are you going to run a lot more time off the clock, but you're also gonna, going to – and you could potentially just win the game without giving the ball up. Uh-huh. But but maybe more importantly is you don't leave a six-point lead on the table. A three-point lead almost leaves the defense in a better position. And, and here's the logic, that when you have a three-point lead, the other team plays four down football until midfield and then three down football once they get into field goal range. Right. Okay, so you, you, you force them to consider the field goal in their thinking 
And then you, you just the fact that they have to consider it and consider the value of the tie and probably overvalue a tie really yep. puts you in a better position there. Um, and I really didn't, I, you know, being up six, I just, I had no confidence at all that the defense after what had just happened was going to be able to go back on the field, get a stop um, before Herbert with four down football is going to pick them apart and, and take them down the field for six. So I wish actually would have been seven. So, yeah, yeah it's so. funny how taking the points kind of really hurt you in that situation. Cause I, like you said, getting to six, it does force the offense to just be aggressive, uber aggressive compared to when they're just down three, they're almost like you said, playing for the field goal and then the touchdowns, the bonus. So. Yep. I, we had a great, um, Oh, who asked the question? We did have that come across in, in film study mailbag. Um, and uh, we just want to make sure that that uh, uh, I give the appropriate person credit, but I will when when that comes across. Anyway, I, f- I felt the same way was the was a point that that uh, he this was a another uh, guy who would have said we should have gone on fourth and one, and uh, I completely agree. Oh, uh, let's see what else we got uh, here. One one of two in the red zone. Um, they're now 31 of 48 in the season. They, they actually moved up from fourth to third place in the entire NFL. They're at 64.6%. One of the big differences about this team is the ability to punch it in. A lot of great Gus Edwards play and a lot of great Mark Andrews play, as always, yep. um, has gotten that done. Um, but at 64.6%, they're third in the NFL, and that's 20 points better than they were last year. So that is a lot of additional points. The median, by the way, this year, 53.6%. The Ravens last year, 44%. Yep, and I think uh, it's a good sign. Uh, I do. I wish I would like to see the breakdown of our red zone efficiency in the third and fourth quarter. I think that's probably the most crucial thing because we tend to be really successful on script, but once we get off script, that's where we have issues punching it in, I think, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game is an example. I think uh, we got into after the 30, and it seemed like we stalled all night. Instead of the – we kind of just went away from the run, and then we would get penalties, and it was just unfortunate when we get down there in that area. It was a – there's so much wrong with, with how they approach the offense in, in this game in terms of, of – um, the, the success they had relative to what I expected against a team like the Chargers, it does have me concerned about the rest of the year. Yep. Um, one of the things coming into this game was that these Charger defensive backs, this is a terrible defensive back. We, t- we talked this on the matchup show, is just how bad these guys are in terms of yards per target. But Derwin James, Asante Samuel, and Alohi Gilman, who had a pretty good game, uh, their safety all collectively are averaging over 10.0 yards per target in total might actually be pretty close to 10 and a half, probably, probably between 10 and 10 and a half. Now they look at it, but uh, you know, Asante Samuel's not having a good year and, and, and uh, you know, Derwin James was being forced into playing strong safety instead of coming up and playing slot corner. Like we use Hamilton. Well, mm-hmm. this game, they made changes and those changes really apparently were very successful for them. They put Leonard Dean um, in the game at corner um, and or safety corner. Anyway, they put him in the game, and Derwin James came up and played slot corner um, for most of this game and and was, I thought, reasonably effective here when he has not been um, for the rest of the year. And Ravens didn't take advantage of any of that. Obviously, I just you know we just read the yards per target for the receivers, so you know the, the, the Ravens didn't get it done against any of those guys. Yeah, I think due to the weakness on our offensive line, I think the game plan was to run with the quick game all night. And I think when Munkin did try and dial it up deep, we just weren't getting the protection we wanted. So it was just a lose-lose situation. Uh, it's, it, was, it's tough. it was tough to watch on Sunday night. All right, series success rate is also something we like to talk about. They had 20 of 28 first downs that they converted into a subsequent first down or touchdown. So one of the big things there is not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. The second one is converting your third downs, which they were terrible at. They were four of 13 on third down, so that's quite bad. Um, 31%. But they did convert one of those on fourth down, even though they were only one of three on fourth down. You can look at those fourth down, the two fourth down misses as kind of like turnovers. I, I do. It's almost like fumbling at that point Yep. And, and instead of punting. Um, 
but the 73% figure is reasonably good. It was just, it was uh, you know, not a great night for converting third downs. And, uh, and frankly, kind of a sputtering night in terms of getting positive chunk plays. The Ravens offense, when they're gaining four, five, six plays on first, second, and third down, and you don't know exactly how they're going to put those together. And it's really just an occasional pair of incomplete passes, which stops a drive. That's the Ravens offense at its best. Um, also, when the when they are being effective going for it on fourth down, and they tried some different things in this game, including that um, the Edwards direct snap, which did not work. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little frustrating. I think uh, uh, to, to comment on the Edwards snap, I think he did bounce it out outside a little too early. I think there was a decrease inside that he could have just fell forward for maybe two or three and maybe would have had his, the spot chance to get it. But um, on the drives that we don't have success on, I'm almost 100% sure there's a failed screen in those drives because I think that's what really hurts us. Uh, the one that really stands out is the one where Asante Samuel almost picked off uh, the ball in the flat where Lamar threw it when it was trips, bunch of trips left. Um, and yes, where the interceptable ball near the yep. end of the game. Yeah, yep. that, that was terrible. That was, those kind of situations is where we get behind the sticks early, especially if it's on first down. Well, I think that one was the play where we thought Aguilar got the first and then ended up being fourth, right? Um, let's see. But that that was that wasn't a fourth down throw on that one. I'm looking. Yeah, the PR twenty one was the Aguilar play, right? But that, that was, was on second and twenty two. Brought up third and one. That was the next play that he did right after the Aguilar. Um, you are correct. Yes, the third and one was the interceptable ball. That's exactly correct. So yeah. he went incomplete, and then he ran for Edwards. Ran for two yards on fourth down there to get it. Yeah, so, I mean, imagine if that was first down, we're already behind the sticks, second and ten. So situations like that have had impacts on our uh, drive success rate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if we're looking at drive success rate as the real problem with that play, I think we're kind of missing the, the, the headline there is that Lamar almost threw an interception. <laughs> on that play, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could have been a big turn in the game right there. But uh, I would got, frankly got very lucky. That's one of the plays that uh, – uh, you know, that, that made sure that the Ravens kept their lead there. And otherwise, Ravens, one thing they really haven't been good at is when they lose the lead in the fourth quarter, they have a really hard time coming back. It's a really hard time for Lamar to get back into offensive mode and get a drive going and move down the field and score. We just, we, we've seen too many games that are like the Miami game last year or the, the New York Giants game last year, um, the Buffalo game last year, where they just, they can't get anything going in the fourth quarter to, uh, uh, to reverse things if they do get behind. Well, it's weird because we've seen Lamar come back like in the Colts and the Minnesota game. It almost seems like when you don't put all these extra motions in the game and you just tell Lamar, hey, go four wide, three wide, and just run the offense fast-paced, it seems like he can do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know why, I guess, the new scheme, learning the new terminology has held back that type of style offense up to this point. But I think the Ravens could come out with more tempo to start out after the bye, especially going against a really good team against San Francisco and good pass rushers at that. Yeah, the, I, the, the remaining pass rush gauntlet they have to run it scares the hell out of me in terms yep. of how they're going to react to it. And we, you know, every week it seems like our matchup show could talk about, um, <laughs> you know, basically how, how to find time and space for Lamar. They have to find a way to do that. And basically, I think it is the biggest offensive question for the remainder of the year. Yep. And they're going to have this come up, you know, Watt and Highsmith. They're going to have the San Francisco guys. They're going to have, you know, is Jalen Phillips hurt now? Did, did, did yeah. He? Okay. Up the year. Oh, the, okay. So that actually is a little bit of a relief against Miami that they may get that, but but they still have Watt, uh, Wilkins and Sealer and players Josh like Calvin. that. Yeah, Josh and they'll they're, so their their pressure is more for the interior. So it'll be a tough uh, time. Jacksonville still has Trayvon Walker, uh, who not everybody believes in, but Josh Allen has been been a good yep. player. Yep. And um, uh, you know, it's it's just it is a tough nut to crack during these remaining weeks. And not to mention Aaron Donald this uh, very week after the bye. Well, that's not a tackle problem per se, but you know, be interesting. The the 
they will occasionally put Donald on the edge, and this would not be a bad game for the Rams to do it against Ronnie. This would be the perfect perfect game to do it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. 35 run, 34 pass. One of the things we have not heard all year is that the Ravens have not had balance. There's been talk about the Ravens giving up on the run too early. Yeah, um, and it's it's kind of funny because everybody wants a different offense. Everybody wants not Roman. I want not Roman. I want some other scheme. I want to you know I want to be able to get away from this run game all the time and run a modern offense because you can't win in the playoffs. Everybody knows that you can't win in the playoffs with a run <laughs> offense. I just hate hearing that. I just yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, thirty five run, thirty four pass. They've been basically at fifty percent runs almost every single game. The the the, the, the Monken offense has not given up on the run at all. They've had to do it a little differently. Edwards has been a little less efficient on a per play basis because of not having a, you know, Ricard in there for all the runs. But they uh, uh they've still been very dedicated to keeping the ball on the ground. And I think part of that is that we've uh been able to handle games in the beginning of the first two, three quarters. And it just aids to us being able to run the ball and not have to press all game. Sure. Uh, I don't think there was Maybe the Cleveland game and the Steelers game, there was maybe a difference in run pass. But other than that, I think we've been balanced all year, and that it's a testament to Monkey not Monkey not being uh, stressed out in situations and not trying to do too much in the sense of going out of whack if things are kind of going south on offense. Yeah, he hasn't had – I mean, they've, they've barely trailed the whole year, and when they have trailed, it's been by one score. Yep. So they've never really had to say, okay, we need to score now, 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 now to have a chance to get a stop to make a score. So they've never had to do that and, and right. go into something where they just had to throw the, throw the ball tremendously. So it's been pretty much by choice they've stayed with it. And, and in a lot of cases, it's been out of necessity that they've gone to the run trying to close out a game. And they've been, um, you know, they've been reasonably effective at that. I think Edwards has been pretty good at that. But um, for the people who want to see more of Mitchell, I mean, I don't know how they could have made much more of a commitment to Mitchell than they did in this game. He played 33 snaps. He got the ball 11 times, you know, nine carries and two passes. He was terrific when he did. Um, You know, I guess there would be questions of, is he going to get the ball even more? But Hill played 20 snaps and he was effective. In this game, he you know he had some good runs, a, a couple long ones, and you know good good yard per carry average. Edwards had 19 snaps. I don't know how you're going to play him less than that. Yeah. You know, and had a, had a fair amount of carries. Um, at this point, there's just a lot, there's a lot of mouths to feed, and and Mitchell is a guy. The only thing I could maybe say about Mitchell is maybe you want the ball in his hands even a little bit more than he got it out of the 33 plays. He got the ball 11 times. You know, maybe you want to see him get it 14 times out of 33. And that's more of a percentage that we've seen to, to Edwards. I think the thing that disappointed me about the running back workload was seeing when the personnel was initiated during the game, especially on the goal line where we had justice in. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
no knock on justice. We've seen justice score in the red zone before, but I mean, come on, Ev Gus. He's he scored how many touchdowns in the past six, seven weeks? Let's not fool around. And then we had the third and three we missed that we gave to justice. And I think that was in the fourth quarter. That was the one right before they kicked the Tucker missed exactly. the field goal, right? Exactly. Yeah. That pissed me off. I was like, why the hell is justice in the game right now? I think I would even really rather have Keaton in at that point because at least Keaton has the threat of bouncing it outside. And we know that Gus is going to just hit the hole and get the yardage. Not saying that justice can't do that, but he doesn't have that kind of power or speed on the outside to really get where we need to go. So I was just disappointed in the deployment of the backs, but Keaton played well. I think one thing about Keaton that kind of made me a little mad was he ran himself out of a couple plays, uh, specifically the stretch zone play going to, it was the, on the Tucker missed field goal drive. Mm-hmm. Mitchell got the, it was Q4, 740 left in the game. Um, if he continues to stay north and south instead of going east and west, I think he would have had a better gain on that play. And to bring up that stretch play, I think if we continuously have success on those stretch plays, the naked boot, either left or right, is going to pop open. I think right. that's definitely true. I, we did I was have, just going to say that. Sorry. We did have one unsuccessful one this game where uh, I think Mac just roared off the line of scrimmage and Lamar got the intentional grounding, but naked boot to the left because Lamar is so good throwing to his left, I think is going to start hitting during the playoffs. Yeah. And I think also just traditional sidecar, um, you know, Lamar finding his hole between the tackles, which Mm -hmm. is what they've done since 2020, 2019. Remember they ran out of pistol the whole year and Lamar was really an edge threat. And he would run to the sidelines a lot in terms of, of there. And then in the 2020, they changed everything by going primarily to sidecar, having Lamar be a threat up the middle. And Mitchell gives you that guy again. I mean, Hill was that guy to a certain degree. He had enough speed that he could make it work over the other geriatric backs that the Ravens had. But <laughs> Mitchell is a legitimate you know, outside speed yep. threat who should scare the death, scare the death out of the um, Chargers defense, in particular trying to figure out how to stop him and create holes right up the middle for Lamar. You, you can go boot, and, and you go that if way if you want to. You can misdirect with counter in particular. If you want to lead um, Mitchell and, and have an additional um, you know, reason why he might be running in that direction, Lamar's been terrific of, about, about avoiding defenders on that left side even after it's left open. But the but the, you know the big thing you've you've just got the middle wide open for Lamar. I think you you know with Mitchell you should be dragging some people completely out of uh, place. By the way, did it look to you like on the jet motion to um, Flowers that won the game? Yeah, that Lamar was trying to pull the football. I looked like he a half a second he didn't want to take that ball. We know Lamar wants to win the game by himself, but I think he just it might have been Zay that took it from him because. Yeah. Uh, I think he wanted it. He's seen the hole, but uh, to kind of circle back. Um, sorry. So anything more about the running backs you wanted to hit on maybe? Oh, so you were talking about using Keaton as an outside threat. Mm-hmm. There was this one play where Lamar faked the toss and he went right up the field. That was a very, very nice play. They, I think, yeah, they faked the zone, stretched to Keaton Mitchell going to the right, and Lamar kept it up the middle, and it was a nice game. I think if we can, can it, continue to incorporate stuff like that, just keep them on their heels, not knowing which way to go, because obviously if you have flow going one way, linebackers are going to flow, and Lamar can just cut right up under. So it was cool to see that concept. Yeah, the, the the Chargers, in all fairness, were fairly plugged in on Lamar this game. He only had three and a half yards of carry and a long of eight. So it wasn't like Lamar was lighting up the scoreboard like he like he normally would with seven, eight yards of carry. It's uh um this is a tougher game for him. You know, and, and frankly, the whole season of running, you know, from eleven and and doing things the way they have this year has been a more of a more of a struggle for Lamar, but he's still got what, close to five hundred yards right now. Um, maybe even, is he have over 500 yards? He might have over 500 yards, but anyway, yeah, sure. he's, 
He's having a um, he, he's having just a, a year that's a, a notch below where he's been when the Ravens run offense. It's really been at the top of the league, and they are there again. I mean, they've got a comfortable lead over Miami for the best run game in the league now. Um, but he's uh, by about thirteen yards. But it's a, a much lower percentage of it is Jackson this year than in the past. And I think we should keep it that way. I think we'll just give their backs the, the ball and let them do their work and let Lamar make his decisions, especially in the passing game when he needs to. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go to Lamar. Talk some about his game here. I've got some statistical numbers. I always, you know, run through um, uh, the uh, the Chargers rushed five or more on eleven occasions. So it's thirty two percent of the time. Lamar on those plays was seven eleven for eighty six yards, seven point eight yards per pass. By the way, that's quite good. Lamar had been having a lot of trouble generally with pressure. The Ravens certainly didn't pick all of that up. So Lamar had to make some quick throws to get the ball out. And I think by rushing that extra man, the Ravens were giving Lamar some throwing lanes and creating some opportunities for him to get the ball out um, that were better. They did not have a sack with a five-man rush in this game. The Chargers did not. So um, pretty pretty impactful um, counter to these blitzes. I, I don't think of Lamar as being a guy who reads hot particularly mm-hmm. well. Uh, usually he has to avoid somebody and then set up to make a throw. But um, this is a game where he did a, he did a pretty good job of getting, getting the ball out quickly and effectively on those extra man rushes. I think the one that stood out to me, but it wasn't complete, was uh, the slot fade to Beckham. I think mm-hmm. it was in the fourth quarter. That was a nice throw. Uh, it was just tough for him. He didn't have enough time to set up and really calculate where he wanted to put it. But the decision was great. I'm trying to think of where that was. Is it like the second play of the fourth quarter? No, that was a PD by at the line of scrimmage. And you're not talking about a PD by a receiver. Quarter three. Quarter three. There you go. First drive, okay. yeah. First drive quarter three. All right. So it's the, the last play on third and 11 when they yep. brought six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the ball, ball was out quickly. Yeah, that's one of the things people don't always pick up on. Is that the the ball? You can you can throw a deep ball where it's out quickly and get that ball off, um, you know, with some good timing and air under the football. Um, and that's the old Bill Walsh thing: is you want to you want to throw a football so that the receiver catches it at, at like forty one or forty two yards downfield, so your quarterback gets it off at a certain angle, maximizes a chance for pass interference, gives mm-hmm. the receiver enough time to make his move and 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 get down the field largely while the ball is on the air, um, and and you don't you don't really risk a pass rush. The, the, the quarterback uh, almost always can get that pass off before the, before the pressure arrives. 2.2 seconds is just, is too quick for uh, even for, uh, it's not too quick for an unblocked guy, but it's too quick for just about anything else that involves a block. Yeah. And those kind of things it comes with timing. It's just, you know, once they practice it more and uh, they get more in game situations with that, I think they'll start hitting it and they need to start hitting it. If they want yeah. to do I agree. They need to start hitting. It's been a big frustration about the Ravens' offense is the inability to hit those hit those yeah. long plays. Yeah, it's been tough this year. Lamar, you know, I love watching him throw lasers over the middle of the field. Any kind of, you know, that's why I love extended plays because, well, for, for lots of reasons you love extended plays, but it gives <laughs> Lamar a chance to throw a, a a line drive over the middle, clear sight lines to receiver. That's just where he's most comfortable in that intermediate 10 to 20-yard range. You know, if if the play's been going on for a, for a few seconds, there's a good chance that somebody has gotten wide open on that play and has a good opportunity for yak. Uh, that's been particularly true of Flowers on several occasions this year. Um, but anyway, you, you, or even Bateman. I mean, you, you you've got real opportunities to get the to, to get a big play when you do that. Um, Lamar is just not very good at putting air under the football, and he's nowhere near as as trusting of his receivers to go get it as he was with Hollywood here, who was a shorter receiver, obviously had more speed. He trusted him to go get the football, but uh, you know, he hasn't developed that kind of connection with flowers yet to just, you know, go get the football. I'll, I'll, I'll point out here. We see it by the way, in, in camp, we see it, never see it in the games. I just say <laughs> the play's not really even called. Um, you know, so we, we've, we've missed out on some of that. He threw a couple for Bateman, but it was like he didn't really trust Bateman to get the football. So he tried to outthrow the defender by a large amount instead of just outthrowing out him by a small amount, let Bateman go up for that football, draw pass interference, or make the catch. Um, just, I, there's something that is not quite right about the Ravens' deep game, and some part of that is trust in the receivers he's got. Yeah, I would say it was a, it's a confidence issue, but 
to your point, I really can't put my finger on why Lamar personally is not hitting the deep ball. Um, he's obviously improved as a passer. His throwing motion is getting better every single year. His velocity is better every single year. It's almost like he, he might have put too much work into his velocity and that's hurting his deep game now because he hasn't compensated for the extra power that he's gotten. So maybe that might be some of it, but more so I'm going to lean towards the timing and continuing to get cohesion with the offense and understanding the pockets he needs to look in and not really be, you know, offensive line does make a difference for you not to be able to step into your throw and be confident. That's another part of it. So it's, it's a lot of factors that go into the deep game, but starting with Lamar, I think, uh, he needs to make sure he takes a step back and gets on the same page with his receivers. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think we've, we've, we've said it on both sides there, but man, trust those guys. They'll, they will go up and get the football for you if you give them a chance. And yep. um, you're, you're going to be incomplete on a hundred percent of the passes where you either throw the ball out of bounds, or you throw the ball 10 yards past your own receiver. Even if you're, if you're avoiding the interception, you know, effectively by doing that. So, yeah. Let's go back to the rush here for a second. A four-man rush. Um, this is where Lamar was not nearly as effective. 22 plays for 78 yards, so only three and a half yards per play when the Chargers rush four. They had both their sacks on a four-man rush. Um, that's a really bad game when your offensive line is just not producing enough that they're getting there so quickly to get pressure with a four-man game. Um, it, it, it's very tough to win that. In fact, if you just want to figure out what's the best way to play defense that's almost guaranteed to be successful, effective four-man pass rush is the easiest way to start. If you can do that, and um, that's why a lot of guys in the National Football League are paid to rush the passer. The Ravens have kind of gone on the bargain end to get their pass rushers, uh, which is which is contrary to normal. The only guy they have a really big investment in is Owe mm-hmm. in terms of the the first-round draft pick. Uh, Matabike, you could say, I guess, as, as a – Actually, Matabike was a three, wasn't he? Draft number seventy-one. Yeah. Yep. So they, they don't. Yeah, they they've really gotten it done cheap with uh, Van Noy and Clowney and and yep. uh, uh, you know other elements on the inside like Pierce and and even um, uh, Travis Jones and whatnot being being kind of cheap. Yeah. Three-man rush, one play for zero yards. Let's talk a little bit about how, the other way that I divide them, which is a- ample time and space, ball out quick and pressure. I go over this like everybody knows the definition of this, but I'll, I'm going to just say these each one more time. Um, ample time and space is a three-second pocket with the added condition that the quarterback needs to have time or have space. That's why it's ample time and space um, to step into his throw. All right. So almost always when you see a quarterback throwing off his back foot, just throwing with his arm and there's any kind of traffic in like a keyhole shape in front of that um, uh, quarterback, I would not call that ample time and space um, if it's certainly if it's if it's within three seconds. Um, so I'm really looking for that quarterback to be able to, to deliver a high velocity pass on a 30 degree cone to either side of the intended receiver. So that cone is actually fairly wide. Um, you can impinge that cone a lot of ways that distract the quarterback and frustrate the quarterback. And you're really looking for kind of perfect protection plays are those ample time and space. Ravens had only six of them in this whole ball game, six out of, out of 34, 18%. Um, yeah, I'd say a good number now is in the low 30s. Uh, NFL defenses have gotten a little bit better at generating quick pressures um, by a variety of means, uh, some of it deception. Um, uh, but you know, I'd say a reasonable, a reasonable percentage is 30. Uh, the Ravens' offensive lines, when they were absolutely fantastic in 2008 and 2009, when they had um, Gaither and um, uh, a great interior line, together they were delivering ample time space at even a higher rate than that in the 40s a lot of the time uh, i'm not looking for for return to that because i don't think that's the way the nfl is and i know it's not the way the ravens tackle strength are but i really need to see them back in the high 20s and low 30s for the rest of the season uh, to just get some amount of reasonable opportunities for lamar to make on target un un um, molested throws <laughs> from the pocket yeah, it's uh, we talk about this every matchup show. We always talk about protection and trying to get Lamar into ample time and space. 
it's very, very disappointing. I, we want to see him, not just him, but this offense flourish. We're tired of not being able to, quote-unquote, keep up with the modern offense when technically we can, but it's just not getting enough of the opportunities that we need to execute some of the plays that we have. So that the ample time and space number needs to get better. I think you're on mute, Ken. Thank you. Happens once per show, I always say. Ball out quick is the second category. That's when the quarterback unloads the ball before pressure can develop. It's usually you know, a screen pass, slant pass, but it's something where there's not nearly three seconds of pocket time involved, um, but pressure is also not developed. And I can't also tell that the pocket was going to hold up. If I could tell that the pocket was going to hold up no matter what, then I'll just call it an ample time and space opportunity. But in, in these cases, 14 times, there's a lot of three-step drops, a lot of a lot of getting rid of the ball very quickly, a lot of screen passes, a lot of you know those kind of um, very quick outs that you'll see. Uh, he was 10 of 14 on those plays for 79 yards, 5.6 yards per play. Um, that's that's fairly average. By the way, he, he only had 41 yards on the six ATS throws, 6.9 yards per play. Uh, and he, had, in fact, had a sack among those six plays. So he had an ample time space pocket, and Mack was blocked 12 to 6, and he came back into the play, made the sack. Um, really bad when you when you can't um, you know your receivers can't get free in three and a half seconds to give you an opportunity to to throw the ball that that probably was the best example I can give you of the game of he was missing Mark Andrews mm-hmm. and he had somebody to throw to that would have he probably would have gone to Andrews by that by that three and a half second point. Then I think that's what led to the high ball out quick number. Well, not too high, but I think if you watch the gameplay, it felt like it was higher than the statistic shows. I'm sorry. Say again. What, what was higher? You're saying ball out quick. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was half of the remaining throws, and then uh, 14 other times. And this this number is really bad. He was under pressure. Yeah. So the Ravens have been you know getting pressure in the low 40s for a lot of this year. We know the Ravens lead the NFL in sacks. I mean, they, you know, they're that's their calling card uh-huh. is to get pressure within three seconds. A lot of times, also to force a delay in the throw or to force the the the, the, the opponent to choose between ball out quick and trying to get a fully developed route that they can get pressure on. But, the, but you know, 14 pressures, I mean, you just you can't, you, you're not going to do very well with that. But anyway, on those plays, they only sacked him one time, but the other place he was five out of 13 for 44 net yards. That's 3.1 yards per play. It's actually just a little bit below average for such opportunities. So it's not like Lamar was terrible in, on on that set on that opportunity set that portion of his opportunity set I should say, um, but it's also it's just way too many pressures. Yeah, I think uh, and those pressures lead to him scrambling and it can lead to opportunities to big plays, but you don't want that to be the main objective when we're throwing a ball. Yeah, you you mentioned the scrambles; they're not even included in the thirty-four here because once he runs, it's a it, I, you know I, I call it a run play, but there were three times when he ran away from pressure and we saw one of them. I mean, actually two of them were Stanley directly where he just yeah. went basically onto Lamar's left foot. Uh, yeah. One time Lamar actually went all the way to the ground, had his knee on the ground. <laughs> saw that. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but the, it wasn't, it was correctly not ruled down by contact because the defender didn't contact him. It was all Ronnie tripping him up. <laughs> so. And I know we talked about this in the production, but on those plays, Ronnie got a quick start on the line and he still got pushed in his lap. And yeah. that was, that was very, very disappointing to see. We will we we need to talk about that extensively when we get into the offensive line. I want to I want to go into that a little more depth because I know you have a background in offensive line play, and that's you know it's it's great to have someone on the show who has that, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that and you know trying to get in position to anchor and trying to get in position to then have a secondary anchor when your primary anchor doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no? okay. All right, let's go, let's keep moving on with Lamar if we if we can though. Um, when I look at this opportunity set he had, it was obviously a really crappy opportunity set, and he also really didn't do well on the ample time and space opportunities that he had. So there weren't many of them, but he didn't do a good job on them. I'm going to say that about 80 percent of the problem was the opportunity set itself having so many pressures, but Lamar bears some of the burden, maybe 20% of it for for failing on the ample time and space opportunity. So when you look at Lamar's low. Um, yards per uh, attempt uh, in this game. Um, that's how I would kind of set the division of responsibilities. And obviously some of that also goes to the receivers as well. 
um, in terms of uh, not presenting themselves within time on an ample time and space throughout. Yeah. And like we pointed out the whole show, it seemed like Lamar was looking for a big white 89 coming across the field all game and it just didn't come. So we need to figure out how to get over that hump. I think Zay is definitely Isaiah flat. Isaiah likely is showing to be a good, good option for replacing him, but we need another piece to step up. Yeah. Mark Andrews almost charges us two people. Yeah, Zay and Say would almost be as confusion, confusing as, as calling likely, and it's likely that likely could be, a, you know, <laughs> no matter what, it's difficult. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Lamar's uh, time to throw last week was, I think, 358 versus Cincinnati. Had a number of extended plays that 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 rolled that up, and that's what you kind of want out of vintage Lamar is, oh, I'm going to take my time, I'm going to roll around this pocket. Oh, you got pressure here from Stanley? Yep. I might take a bump pressure, but now I can roll out, and there's another two seconds I can hack onto this play, and then oh, there's Aguilar in the end zone for a touchdown. That That's, that's what we want from, <laughs> from, from Lamar. Um, but at 2.66, he's really forcing the ball out quickly. And when he's forcing the ball out quickly, that means the routes are getting forced shorter and they're doing yep. less. And in particular, Zay Flowers, that was a big problem in this game. Yeah, and potentially Lamar might not be fully 100%. That might be some of it. I think he might still have an issue with uh, the ankle from the Cleveland game. No, Cincinnati. Cincinnati game. So might be potential that that might be lingering. I know after the bye, he'll probably be okay, but he might have wanted to preserve it and not do too much this game. I think they had an understanding the Chargers weren't really going to blow him out of the water. So could have some effect. Yeah, that's a really good point. And looking ahead to the next five weeks after the bye, one, I mean, look, if, if I had to rank the things, I'm not even sure how I rank it in terms of importance of trying to win the games versus the importance of keeping, keeping Lamar healthy versus the yeah. voracious pass rushers they're going to face down the stretch. But you know, above all else, they really need Lamar to be healthy for the playoffs. And yep. um, the unfortunate thing is they're still going to face some great pass rushes there. So it's quite a gauntlet that Lamar needs to run. What would really be nice is if they could get in position. Well, you really want the 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 ultimate thing. They win four straight games. Cincinnati yeah. loses two. And they have, the, they have the number one seed locked up before week 18. That's yep. that's my that's the ultimate prize. But if they can find a way to make that eight, week eighteen game not meaningful for the division at least, um, then they could they they'd be in a better position. Yeah, I, I do just feel like I want to bubble wrap him into the playoffs at this point because we just it, we want to see his success in January very bad. I think yep. the whole fan base is tired of hearing the mantra about him. So I know want- I am. Yeah, we want to. Every everybody, you know, Twitter is a good place for conversation, but there's a lot of toxicity out there too, and and there there are you know there certainly are a lot of people who will constantly tell you about how you can't win with that in the playoffs. Yeah, I I I don't even know how to react to that other than to say, how the hell would you know what would win in the playoffs? Give me your logical reasoning through this. It's kind of like I'm hearing I, – I, I have the same kind of skepticism I do about hearing somebody tell – a gambling expert tell me why the Ravens are going to lose a preseason game. Yeah. You do not understand what's going on here if you really if you really think the Ravens are a, a, a favorite to lose a preseason game at some point or if you really like the money line or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I really like this return guy that the other team has that he'll be around in the fourth quarter. Well, you know – Having Daryl Worley out there at, at free safety in the fourth quarter kind of trumps all of that, and, and yeah. that's some of the kind of stuff that the Ravens have done with defensive depth and the uh, to win all those preseason games. It just, I, I, it's, I consistently hear that, and and yet, you know, how would we know? But I, but I'm like you. I want to get rid of the the freaking overarching mantra that that continues to dog Lamar. Yeah, and it's disappointing that the past two seasons he wasn't able to get there. I mean, he put the team in position literally by himself the past two years, was able to will us to, what was it, 9-3 and three each yeah. season? Top of the AFC in, in 2021 two. by Smoke and Mirrors, right, before the, yeah. before the injury? 21-22, yeah. and 22, right? Yep. So, I mean, what can you say more about the positions he's put us in? And it's just 
it's heartbreaking as a Ravens fan not to see him out there and get a chance to show the world that he's just not this running back and he's a top flight quarterback that can take us to the Super Bowl. And you, you look at the divisional opponents to start with, the Bengals and Browns have had their seasons ended the last two weeks against the Ravens, you know, yep. in terms of, of Watson getting the, the big injury, even though he had a great second half, he, you know, he might've been injured going into the game or um, uh, with that shoulder played to manage the pain. And now he can't play anymore. And Burrow, uh, you know, with his, his injury, even though it wasn't a dirty injury, like the, like the Logan Wilson thing was on Andrews, Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of injury that that uh, will happen to you. Um, you already had the thing, apparently had some pre-existing injury he was working with to, to try and work with that heat pad that they caught him with. Yeah, um, but uh, it, it's you know it's that's the last thing we want happening to the Ravens is is uh, you know him going out there getting hurt in one of these games and and, uh, and I almost I hate bringing it up. It's like we're jinxing it or something. But uh, but let's good face it. Good thing there's no. Abs- Absolutely critical. They scheme to keep him healthy the rest of the way, even if it, if it holds the offense back a little bit. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, anything I want to say? I mean, it looked at Herbert's day, which was really difficult. Herbert had an average completed air yards of 3.2 and an intended air yards of 7.7, which is terrible, by the way. Uh, yeah. That difference is enormous. It was one of the worst in the league, but 3.2 yards – Beyond the line of scrimmage is was I think the third or fourth worst in the whole league. By the way, Mac Jones this week for New England minus zero point eight oh um, uh, completed air yards on average. So his average completion was behind the line of scrimmage. That's, uh, that's absolutely bad. funny. So bad for Mac Jones. Uh, I, I I felt bad there for a second, but I went through the five stages very quickly, and I realized it's Belichick, and I don't care. <laughs> but anyway, Lamar 3.4 average area uh, completed air yards, which is not much better, obviously, than Herbert and 6.4 intended, which is telling you there's even more restriction on the distance. They're trying to throw the ball down the field. That 6.4 is quite low. Um, and he's throwing a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. They really had to scheme to get that ball out quickly. Um, and they, the, the Chargers, frankly, did a good job of shutting him down. Yeah. I think we are good. way behind schedule, my friend. I, I, I thought we were – oh, no, no, no. We've, we've talked about a bunch of this stuff, didn't we? Yes, we, we actually went through a little bit of this before. I, I got just a couple more scheme things to go back to. The Ravens, this is part of protecting Lamar, but they use nine set blocks and 14 chip blocks. That's .68 per play, 23 on 34 um, total pass plays. That's a high number. Now, they've been as high as 1.12 against the Browns. You have five eligible receivers. When you give up 1.12, you're giving up 22% of your eligible receivers <laughs> yeah. per play to do some sort of set or chip block. And even when you chip block, there's a very limited set of routes you can run off that. When you set block, obviously, you're committing to not run any any route. So um, uh, this was a high commitment, um, and it's especially high commitment given that they didn't rush five all that much, that the uh, they, they rushed four a lot, and um, the Ravens were still trying to chip with four to give their tackles help, and you know, honestly, the results did not um, warrant that, given that they gave they they only had three and a half yards per pass play when they did rush for. Yeah, and I've brought this up on our matchup show multiple times. I, I think trying to get those set blockers in and maybe run a limited route tree with three receivers might be the way to go. But after seeing what happened this week, I don't think that could work either. So that's Max protect. So if you're going to do that, you, you better at least stop the pressure from occurring. Yeah. And then you, you get a real valuable leak out guy. You get a valuable scramble out of that. So it's not like I don't, I, I completely agree with you. The problem was that the, the, the chip blocks and the set blocks just were not helping in terms mm-hmm. of, of keeping Khalil Mack uh, in check. He's one of the best. You know, honestly, you got to just tip your hat. Sometimes it's the other guy's player that makes a difference and not your own. And it makes you think, what if they have both on the other side? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little frightening because they'll face some of that the rest of the way. Yeah. All right. Always a pleasure talking football with you, Frazier. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you online. You guys can reach me at Twitter slash X at F underscore R-A-V-E-8. That's F underscore Rave 8. All right. Outstanding. And make sure you listen to the matchup show. Frazier always comes in with some good ideas about – uh, what are key matchups? And, and we've been having a lot of fun doing that that show this year. It's out there. Usually comes out on Saturday before a Sunday game. 
Uh, and I don't, I try and not put out anything on Sunday morning. So you still have it available as a top podcast before you uh, uh, head out to uh, the game. And it's a good time to listen to it because usually shorter, about 20 minutes, we, we do that show. Uh, so if you're looking for shorter film study content, that's, uh, that's also a, a place to go find it. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. Um, DMs are always open on Twitter, and this is a great week. I've got a bunch scheduled. I want to do a bunch more. If you want to do your short and you're passionate about a Ravens topic, and this is a this is a time where you can make some time to record, I can always do it. And please hit me with that DM. Try and make the topic kind of small and granular. We'll talk through it and try and pick out the kernel that really makes sense that we can talk about in, in 15 or 20 minutes. And, uh, and put out some nice sh- short content there that's less intimidating to some listeners who might be going to it for the first time. So uh, really appreciate folks who, who want to do that. If you're, lo- if you're out on YouTube, please uh, subscribe and uh, uh, like, uh, comment if you, if you want. But I'd love to hear from you uh, in any case. And uh, hashtag Film Study Mailbag, uh, we will get to in the second part of this show. And uh, looking forward to that as well. Frazier, thanks again for coming on. Yep, thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.